Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Math was never our strong suit, but breaking down Ohio State football is. Sit back and join us for Buckeye Grove Instant Access, part of the Unscripted Ohio Podcast Network. You can do it! Brought to you by BuckeyeGrove.com. Post-game thoughts, immediate analysis, and much, much more to put the big game into perspective. Without any further delay of game, here's your host, Kevin Noon. Kevin, God damn it. Welcome to a Monday morning on the BIA podcast. I am your host, Kevin Noon. Glad to have you listening. We're just a couple days after Ohio State's season opening 52-17 win over Nebraska. And for those of you who are looking for a BIA podcast coming right out of the game, we've tried something a little different this year. We're doing a live video element after the game instead of doing a podcast looking for your feedback. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the podcast? Do you prefer the live video? Uh, you know, we're trying some things out. We want to see what reaches the most Buckeyes fans out there. And, uh, you know, be sure to let me know. Hit me up at Kevin at BuckeyeGrove.com or on Twitter at Kevin underscore noon. I'll make sure both of those are in the comment section so you know how to reach out and let us know what it is that is the best way for us to reach you. Now... This is going to be a quick show here on Monday. We've got a big week planned. We've got uh, Justin Whitlatch coming on Wednesday, and we will talk to him really about the X's and O's of the Ohio State-Nebraska game as well as what makes Penn State tick. You know, I'm really looking forward to that. And then speaking of Penn State, on on Friday, we will have Nate Bauer from Blue White Illustrated on the show. Uh, We will get some of his insights there. And maybe I'll find one more guest this week to be able to throw on one of the other shows. So with that being said, those will be the two shows that I will be most excited about. Not that this one won't be great as well, but this one you're just stuck with me. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the game that was and maybe some initial thoughts going into Penn State. Now, as for Nebraska... Not the kind of start that I think Ohio State fans were looking for in terms of that first drive. Nebraska wins the toss, 75 yards, four plays, touchdown, 7 nothing. How many of you out there were having some flashbacks to, I don't know, Oregon State from a couple years ago when you saw that Luke McCaffrey long run? 
Uh, didn't really look like Ohio State had much of an edge set there. We'll talk to Justin about that on Wednesday. Uh, you look at the overall stats in the game, and, and to Ohio State's credit, and you knew they would, they made some adjustments, but 217 rushing yards. Granted, a lot of them came on that long run by McCaffrey. McCaffrey had that 47-yarder. Adrian Martinez had a 39-yarder. So just right there, that's 86 of the yards of the 217. So you take those away, which of course you can't. Over the other 34 carries, I don't know, you're you're talking about 120 yards. I mean, it really gets the average down from the 6 uh, 6.0 that it is now if you if you take those two out. Nobody else really had any long runs per se. Adrian had a couple of of nice runs, but they did make some adjustments. So Nebraska was able to run a team that generally had relied on the throw game against Ohio State, and Ohio State relied more on the throw game and only ran for 222. And you look there, and Ohio State ran the ball 48 times. Nobody had more than 60 yards net. Uh, Trey Sermon, 55. Justin Fields, 54. Master Teague, 41. Steel Chambers, 32. Jack Miller, 23. Xavier Johnson, 17. So I've fielded a lot of questions already this young, short week about what's wrong with the Ohio State run game. You know, I, I, I don't have a simple answer per se. I think, I think they'll figure some things out. I don't know if Penn State is necessarily the opponent that you go and get healthy running the ball against. They did allow just 41 yards to Indiana on the ground. Indiana, uh, you know, really their run game is Stevie Scott or maybe maybe some design cue runs by Michael Penix. But they didn't have much success. But honestly, Indiana had no success until they won the game. I mean, Indiana had short fields from from turnovers and just some opportunities there, and then they just couldn't do anything until the closing minutes of the game once Devin Ford made that awful decision to score, something that you've been trained to do your whole football-playing life, mind you. You get caught up in the speed of the game, you see green grass, glory, and you run for it, and you sometimes forget the coaching that you've been given here as of late. Go down, go down, go down. They only have one timeout. We'll run the clock out. We'll all go out for pizza. Well, there was no pizza to be had. But, you know, back to Ohio State game as I kind of jump around. Uh, You go through and you look. All right, so Ohio State comes back with its own 75-yard drive, 11 plays, ties it up. Four minutes later, Ohio State scores again on a 42-yarder from Fields to Garrett Wilson, up 14-7. You exhale a little bit. All right, things things are working out. Ohio State will probably, you know, not give up any points for a while. And then early in the second quarter, 11 plays, 78 yards, capped off, three-yard TD rush by Diedrich Mills. 14-all, almost at the midway point of the second quarter. Ohio State obviously was a big favorite in this game, ended up covering, for those of you who are into the sports wagering. Um, Ohio State ends up 
marching down the field, stalls, illegal formation, or, or some procedural call, ends up backing them in, into field goal range, 11 play, 71-yard drive. They have to settle for a 34-yarder from Blake Hobbiel. Get a big stop on defense. Have a nice little short drive, just 46 yards and a buck 15, and go go to the, the locker room up 24-14. You know, what were your thoughts there? We'd been, and you know, and we were part of the ones selling it. We sold this big bill of goods that this Ohio State offense was going to be able to name its score, do what it wants, impose its will. You know, I mean, you look at the final score, they put up 52 points. I mean, I think the, the narrative ended up rectifying itself, but only putting up 24 against a Nebraska team that has not been known for good defense as of late. How concerned were you? How concerned were you that the Ohio State defense, something that I think that everybody had some, at least some small concerns about, giving up 14 in the first half? I mean, did you sit there and see a situation where Nebraska might be able to chip it away a little bit more in the second half? I mean, I think that I think that's a fair worry there at that point. But I also think that you had to realize that once they went to the halftime locker room, Greg Madison, Kerry Combs, the rest of the defensive staff would be able to go over some things, maybe write some assignments, things of that nature. And by all accounts, they were able to do that. I mean, Nebraska did kick a field goal late in the third quarter, a 22-yarder almost like Scott Frost was playing to not let Ohio State cover. I don't know. I mean, and I am I hesitate saying that because there's going to be somebody who's listening who's going to be like, ah, oh, Noon's out there saying that, you know, the fix was in and they were playing for the lines. No, no, no. I'm just saying it was odd that they would settle for a field goal attempt on the five-yard line down at that point by 24. Yes, a field goal gets them down 21, three-score game. At 24, it's still technically a three-score game. Well, the likelihood of getting three two-point conversions in the span of 18, 19 minutes, probably low. Then again, we watched Indiana hit a couple of them when the, all the chips were on the table. But, you know, it, it was just odd. It was odd seeing that. I talked to some Nebraska people. They were not very thrilled with that decision either. But, you know, it is what it is. Ohio State really kind of just pulls away. Seven banks, scoop and score of a Adrian Martinez fumble. Jackson Smith and Jigba with an incredible catch. About 10 minutes left to go in the game of a Justin Fields pass. Ruled as being out of bounds on the field. Replay goes through and pretty quickly realizes... Oh, our bad. It was a hell of a catch. And then, of course, Jack Miller with about 20 seconds left in the game. Two-yard rush on a fourth down. Ryan Day goes and apologizes after the game for that. Kind of have mixed feelings about that. I've always been of the mindset, if you don't want us to score, then stop us. I've always felt that that's important. I also think that's something that should have probably been kept in-house. Because don't you make your opponent look even weaker by saying, 
Yeah, we're sorry that we just punched it in again on you. I mean, obviously insinuating we couldn't stop us. 52 points also (laughs) insinuates couldn't stop us. But I don't know. I, I found it odd. I found it curious. I mean, Ryan Day... The haters out there are going to say what they will, but I think Ryan Day is a real genuine guy. I mean, we get a ton of coach speak. Don't get us wrong. He is a coach after all, but I really think he's a genuine guy. I can't say I feel that way about everybody in the profession, but I, I, I have nothing but good feelings about Ryan Day from everything I know. And he probably did feel bad about that situation. You've got, you know, you've got your second team line in, You've got a freshman quarterback in. I mean, I, by that point, I think you have a walk-on running back in. Are you? How many? How often are they practicing with the with this personnel? Are they practicing getting in the victory formation? How stupid would everybody have felt if they would have tried to go into victory formation? Botch it. Nebraska scores. I mean, not that it would have changed anything other than the outcome of betting lines. But uh, it wouldn't have really changed anything. But it would have been a major crap show on all of the national shows. You know, the you had one job, that's a dollar man, what all that crap would have just filleted them. Now, you know, what's the likelihood of you get in the victory formation and the backup center Snaps it to the 50. I mean, that zero. I mean, but I don't know. I just, I, I found it weird. And he, once I heard it, I was like, oh, you know, that's nice. And the more I thought about it on Sunday and now here into Monday, the more I just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like it. I understand that, you know, he and Scott are, are good to one another. And, you know, as much as, you know, these competitors, super competitors are, with each other. If we believe the stories from over the summer about hanging a hundred on Michigan and you worry about yourself here in what seven plus weeks, I don't expect to see any sort of mercy being offered. If Ohio state is in that type of position against the Wolverines. Then again, we also remember what happened a couple years ago in the Michigan game with Urban Meyer still as a head coach, and I believe it was Demetrius Knox. Ohio State was going to put try and put up another score. Ended up suffering a freak injury, season over. So, I mean, there's always a fine line there. But, you know, I don't know. What are some more thoughts about this game here on the other side of this quick break? Egg Water Conditioning has been treating well in city water in central Ohio with American-made water filtration products for over 60 years. Have a water quality problem? The water treatment experts at Haig know how to solve it. Not sure if your water softener is working? They will test, inspect, and sanitize any brand of water softener for only $20. Schedule a system checkup or water test today by calling 614-836-2195 or visit them online at HaigH2O.com. That's H-A-G-U-E-H2O.com. Welcome back to the BIA Show. I am your host, Kevin Noon. I want to thank you for listening with us. Be sure to click that subscribe button on whatever outlet you are consuming this podcast on, be it uh, SoundCloud or YouTube or iTunes or Stitcher. Or I, don't, I don't even know the names of all of them. But, you know, be sure to be aware of when they all come out. 
We try to do these at least three times a week. There may be the occasional week just due to travel that it could fall to two. If there's breaking news, we can maybe do it four. Maybe we do it five. I'd love to get to a point to where we were doing these on, uh, you know, five days a week. But at this point, I think three is the sweet spot. Uh, back to the game. How good of a story is it about Haskell Garrett? And I know our Griffin Strom wrote a nice story about the whole Garrett situation. Shot in the face, trying to step in to defuse a, an altercation off campus. We don't know if he's going to be able to answer the bell to start the season. I mean, honestly, it's lucky to be alive. You know, you know that's not, you know, that's just not a run-of-the-mill happenstance thing. That's a legitimately scary situation. We hear throughout fall camp that, you know, he, you know, we're having our expectations tempered in terms of what his timeline is going to be. Then on Friday before the game, we get our status report. He's not listed as doubtful or out or game time decision. So we're like, well, we'll see him. And he goes and he records a sack uh, against Nebraska, a big one at that matter. I mean, that is just a huge pickup for just the depth of defensive tackle for this team. That is just a testament to just how tough this guy is. And just, you know, the type of care and everything that was taken with him to get him to the point to be game ready to play in this situation. Again, we're not talking about playing with a tight hammy or a sprained thumb. It's shot in the face. Hey, that's crazy, man. Um, kind of going through some of the other stats and things that maybe we haven't talked about as much. How about seven banks being a guy who just seems to pick up garbage touchdowns and I don't want to call either of them garbage, but they're not, they're non-traditional against Michigan. He picks up a blocked, uh, blocked punt runs it in. I mean, bounces right into his arms. Urban Meyer says he won't get an easier one than that. I don't think the one on Saturday was necessarily any easier, but Adrian Martinez fumbles the ball. Seven banks, Johnny on the spot, picks it up and nearly loses his footing. Nebraska tries to chase him down. Banks nearly goes down, somehow manages to regain his balance and out the gate, 55 yards, another touchdown. Now I'll tell you, you know, picking up that bouncing ball, not the easiest thing in the world to do. I am not the portrait of fitness at this point of my life. I'm the first one to admit that. But even when I was in good shape, get that ball bouncing. I mean, you need to have a nice, a nice, a, a nice clear bounce and everything else to be able to get that and be able to go pretty much in stride. I mean, we see the ball on the, on the ground, on the turf all the time during fumbles and it's like hot potato. Nobody can fall on it. Oblong shape and just weirdness ensues. But, you know, kudos to Banks for being able to, to be in the right place at the right time again. Picks up another defensive touchdown. Uh, we talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba a little bit. Um, how about the one-two punch of, of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave? The two combined for 13 catches for 233 yards and a score. They were targeted 14 times, 13 completions. Then again, Justin Fields only had one incompletion. And the one incompletion 
was a little high to Chris Olave. He goes up, gets undercut, not able to come down with it. Catchable ball, yeah, but, I mean, it would have taken a pretty good effort. Those two are obviously going to create a problem. I cannot think of another one-two punch like that in this conference. And I thought about it for a while before the show. I mean, you can sit there and you can look at Wisconsin, who had a lot of success with Ferguson, with, uh, you know, from Graham Mertz to Ferguson. Um, you know, Penn State has a good one with Jahan Dotson. You know, I guess if you sit there and you put Dotson with Fryermuth, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end. But then again, I'd probably have Pat Fryermuth ahead of Dotson just because Pat's done this. Pat has a record. He's been able, you know, he's been able to show some longevity in doing this. Um, I don't know. I, I really am not sure. And then when you sit there and you say, okay, it's a hell of a one-two punch, but then you have guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming. Jamison Williams saw an ample amount of time. We haven't even really necessarily seen G. Scott yet. I mean, he did get credit for being out on a couple plays, according to our friends at Pro Football Focus. But... You know, when they're going to be able to roll six, seven guys out there, and granted, I have not seen a formation yet where you're going to have seven receivers out there at any given time, but the point being is you're not necessarily going to have to have Wilson or Olave out there for 45 offensive plays. I mean, they're guys that you don't want to have off the field, but you also have to just remember the the physical nature and the amount of running that you do at that position it's not like on a 10-play drive you can be in there for nine of them. So Ohio State's passing game really has the position and the potential of being just special this year. When you look at Justin Fields' numbers of 276 yards, it didn't. to me it didn't feel like it was that many yards. There were some dinks and some dunks, but he also had some... some more difficult throws in there. I mean, and he got to that number pretty early, it felt like to me. I'm like, are we going to see 300? I mean, if they keep throwing, are we going to see more? So, I don't know. I, I think that it's going to be a tremendous challenge against Penn State. As I said earlier, Penn State held Indiana to 41 yards on the ground. Uh, Something else to remember about games at Penn State, they're playing on grass there, not turf. So that's always a little bit different, but Ohio State has a couple of grass fields over the Woody Hayes facility. So it's not like Saturday night will be the first time that they've stepped on grass and, you know, since the Fiesta Bowl. But, you know, you do run the the situation that if there's moisture in the air, the grass is a little slick and things along those lines. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the run game. It'll be interesting to see if Ohio State really sells out to be able to run. Penn State has some talented guys in the secondary, but they certainly are missing guys like Micah Parsons at linebacker, who arguably would have probably been the best defensive player in the conference this year. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Um, I think we need to see Ohio a little bit more out of the Ohio State offensive line. Uh, we saw a couple times where pass pro broke down. Justin Fields nearly got uh, sacked for a safety on the uh, north end. I saw a lot of Penn State fan or Nebraska fans calling for the safety. It wasn't close to being a safety in terms of, yes, he was tackled in the end zone, but he was pulled back into the end zone. 
it wasn't even that there was a forward progress there. He stopped his movement at about the one yard line and was pulled into the end zone. But uh, being able to contend with a guy like Shaka Tony for uh, Penn State, they're really going to have to bring their A game. You know, Penn State's going to have to try a lot of things to try and slow this Ohio State offense down. But you have to wonder where their confidence is going to be. They really outplayed Indiana for much of that game and lost. And more so than losing, I'm sure there are a lot of people that feel that they were cheated in terms of that final two-point conversion and whether or not the ball did break the plane when Michael Penix went full Superman dive toward the pylon. I watched it on TV at home. I'd gotten home from covering the Ohio State game. I thought it was good. And then I watched a couple replays. I'm like, I'm not so sure. But I really think it was a case of what the officials on the field ruled at that point was what was going to ride. It was inconclusive. I still don't know why we, I mean, I know we have pylon cams and things of that nature. I don't know why we don't have a better solution in terms of being able to adjudicate goal line plays, sideline plays. And I'm, I mean, I'm not talking about putting a microchip in the ball or something stupid like that. Again, we all want robot umpires in baseball. Well, some people do. I'm, I, I'm not sure I'm on that boat yet, but, uh, why, you know, why can't we have a camera in a better place? Why can't we have, why can't we know these things better? We sit there and we add replay for the betterment of the game. And again, I'm not saying that the call was right or wrong in this instance, but I'm just saying there are a lot of times I watch replay and it is patently 100% incorrect. If we're going to stop the game to try and get it right, get it right. You stop the game. You stop the flow. There's generally going to be one team that's pretty pissed off that they're 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 losing momentum or whatever. You're stopping the game to try and get this right, and then you just get it wrong. You either overturn a right call, or you just compound the problem by not overturning a wrong one. So I don't know. Uh, last couple thoughts to Ohio State coming off of their big Buckeye Bash weekend. No commitments at this point. Uh, Tristan Lee did not make it on campus. I know I talked about on one of our live video shows about him being on the list. We learned that he didn't make the game there or make it to town. They weren't going to the game, but going to Jack Sawyer's. There always was kind of a question whether or not uh, mom was going to be able to get the time off from work and transportation and everything. Didn't end up happening. But Derek Davis Jr. made it. And that I think that Ohio State certainly picked up some momentum there. I'm not saying that come November 7th that he's going to pick anywhere other than Penn State. But being around a dozen Ohio State guys in Columbus as Penn State watches a game completely slip out of its hands, don't think for a second that these Ohio State commits weren't all over them at that point. And I think that, you know, while I do have my uh, future cast put in for Derek Davis to end up at Penn State, that's not a stone-cold lock. You know, if we had confidence points on it, uh, a 1 to 10, I'd probably have it about 5. So, I mean, we'll see what ends up coming out of that. But uh should be interesting there. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, the class of 22 recruits 
have been trying to break Twitter here recently, saying some big news could be coming. Be sure to keep it locked in at BuckeyeGrove.com and find out what that news is once it happens. I also highly recommend, if you're not following Joseph Hastings on our site on Twitter, to do that. Uh, his uh, Twitter handle is at Joseph A. Hastings. Uh, be all over that. Um, you know, outside of that, I think we're going to call this a show. I really appreciate y'all for being part of it. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday with our analyst, Justin Whitlatch. We will really break down the Ohio State game at that point. We will also look ahead to some of his thoughts on what Penn State does well and what Penn State doesn't do, do so well. And then on Friday, we will talk to Nate Bauer. And if any other breaking news happens, like this 2022 talk, we'll be sure to throw another show on the air. But once again, my name is Kevin Noon. I am your host, and you were listening to the BIA podcast, and we will talk to you very soon. Be sure to stay up to date with Buckeye Grove Instant Access when the news breaks or after the big game, exclusively at BuckeyeGrove.com or anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher as part of the Unscripted Ohio Podcast Network. Hit that subscribe button so you can stay in the know and never miss a single episode.